you have to start somewhere that that's obvious but i think even if you're even if you're small you can change things and and solius was a proof of that because when we when we first started all our suppliers were either saying it's impossible or we're simply closing the door they, they would just say no but eventually when you keep pushing and pushing and you believe into changing things you can do it and now the 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 partners are our main partners our main supplier he hired uh two sustainable expert just to change the way they produce things and that's the, the word sustainability was not living in his, in his mouth a few years ago, and now he's all over it. And that's just because of us. It's, it's crazy when you think about it. We're super small, but yet we're, we're now changing an industry. Welcome to the Sustainable Jungle podcast. I'm Joy, and today I'm hanging out with Sam LaRue, the co-founder of Solios, an affordable luxury watch brand that is driving innovation and change in a very traditional industry that is very much associated with fast fashion and negative environmental and social impact. We cover all of this and go deep in particular on the material choices that Solius has made and their dedication to constant improvement. As always, you can find the show notes over at sustainablejungle.com forward slash podcast. Now let's talk changing times with Sam LaRue. Sam, welcome to our show. Let's start with you. Where were you born and where did you grow up? Thank you for having me, Joy. Um, I'm Sam, and I was born in Montreal, born and raised, actually. I lived two years in France, in Paris, but I unfortunately don't remember it. I was too young. Um, but after that, at university, I spent almost a year in Singapore um, on a student exchange, but pretty much all my life was here in Montreal. And tell us about your career pre-Solios. Looking at your LinkedIn profile, you weren't always running a luxury watch company. I was not. I was not actually. <laughs> I've <laughs> I've always had that uh, that feeling that one day I would go into more the entrepreneurship world. But after university, I, I studied in um, in business at university, and I've worked for a small investment fund where um, we were buying and restructuring companies in the travel industry. So tour operator, which was a lot of fun because I got to travel a lot, um, try trips around the world. So it was not. Um, a bad thing, I would say. <laughs> um, but I spent almost five years there, and, and and it was a very good school for me because um, just before just be, before I got done with university, I signed a job at the very big firm with with over sixty thousand people um, around the world in the company, and and just before starting with them, that little investment fund. Um, I, I did an internship with them and, and they, they asked me if you, if I wanted to stay with them rather than, than going at the job I signed for. And it was, it was not, a, it was quite a hard decision because it's, it's, it's a major company versus a very unknown small investment fund. But, and, and, but I decided to stay with them. And what happened is that I got to touch everything because when we were um, buying companies, we were also the one, restructuring companies and knowing that uh one day i would eventually be an entrepreneur it was the best school because i got to do operations and marketing and finance and accounting and all sorts of stuff and removing the suit and tie and and just um get your hands dirty and and, and just do things so it was the best best school for uh for Solios actually and i, I didn't even know at the time 
before we get stuck into Solios, maybe you could share a little bit more about sort of then what happened, sort of like what made you want to move from that very promising professional career uh, into the world of entrepreneurship and sustainability? I mean, you've said you've already, you always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but what sort of made that jump? It's a good question. And, and, and I think a lot of the things that um, entrepreneurs have in common is that they know they want to do it. They don't know why, um, but they, they know they eventually want to start something. But finding the idea is, can be quite challenging. And that basically was my case where um, I remember in high school, I told all my friends eventually I would, I would love to start something and I, I had no idea what. And, and th that situation um, was the same at university. So after fi finishing university, uh, where I met Alex, actually my partner at Solius, um, we were both interesting in lunch and something, but we had no idea. So we we, we decided to go work and, and get some experience and and learn from from people uh, who've, who've who've done it. And every time, every every well, not every night, but but very often, we were discussing idea of things we could we could start. Uh, so we learn about so many things trying to find an idea. I remember Alex eventually moved to Toronto to go to work in Toronto. Um, and I was flying to Toronto just to try to bounce idea with, with him. And um, just, I don't know, trying to, to, to read about. Um, and at the time, we were not so much into sustainability. And that, that was about 10 to 15 years ago. Um, so we were talking about uh, like... I know game, gaming stuff was really booming at the time, but neither Alex and I were gamers. So <laughs> yes, we read about it, but we, <laughs> we had absolutely no passion about doing something uh, into that. And eventually came a time where um, we've started reading more about sustainability. And it, it might sound cheesy, but we watched together the, um, the documentary from Leonardo DiCaprio about uh, I think the name was Before the Flood. Mm. And that's when we realized that even though we our intentions were not bad in terms of um, consumption habits, we were actually very harmful to the planet and even the community around us. And, and we had no clue. We didn't know about that. And it, it really opened, opened our, our minds about, about sustainability and that we have to do something about it. And that's when we, we said to each other, if we're to start a business, it has to be something that's going to have a positive impact on the planet. And Alex and I are two people that are very, I would say, realistic. We're not, we're not living in an utopia where we think that all, all the humans can, can have a lifestyle, a zero-waste lifestyle. Um, we love those who do, but if you're realistic, it's not something that's going to happen unless we're all forced to. And our goal was to create solutions to those problems and let people realize that it is possible to consume and keep your life habits without, without having to do much sacrifice, but have all of this, do all of this in a sustainable way. So. Um, that's when we, f we were finally on the path of finding a business idea, which eventually became the solar powered watches. And, and that's when we, uh, we started working on that idea while also keeping your jobs. 
That's amazing. So, and I, I was reading on your website, you have this, this nifty timeline in your about us section that took you through Nicaragua, Greece, Japan. <laughs> what, what happened next? Where did you, where did you go from there? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because we, um, I remember we, uh, we were supposed to go to Peru with, with, uh, our friends just for, um, just for fun. And I think it was two months before booking the ticket to Peru, Alex and I started discussing about um, creating some something direct to consumer that would have a positive impact on, um, well, the, the object itself, but also as a symbol. And that's when we decided to cancel our trip to Peru with all our other friends and go meet um, another friend who started a sustainable um, hostel in Nicaragua to bounce idea with him. So we flew Alex and I, and we met our friend Antoine, who was in Nicaragua at the time at his hostel. And we just shared so many ideas about um, products, sustainable product we could create. <clears throat> and that's how we got to Nicaragua. And that's basically where it all started. And when I got back from Nicaragua, the, the day after, I, I didn't know at the time, but the, the day after I started working and, and, and my job told me I had to leave for Greece. So it's, 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 um, I, I, my mind was full of, my, my eyes were wide open about <laughs> finding ideas. <laughs> so I got into Greece and, and as you know, the, the fashion industry, the style is always, um, in Europe, it's always in advance to, uh, compared to what we have here in North America and also compared to Australia. So, so the Europe kind of set the trend and the, Affordable luxury watches at that time was was it, they were kind of booming, but they were all encouraging fast fashion. Mm. And I was in Greece; that the sun was was super super strong, and we just spent the week in Nicaragua talking about uh, green technology, sustainability, reading about solar technology, and that that's when the idea popped out. And I said, "Why not create like create elegant solar powered watches?" And Alex and I were both like both big fan of watches. We had a dozen of watches um, each. And I texted him. I was on a, a cruise ship, and I texted him, and and I said, "Why not create that?" And it was the first time of all those six years after finishing university that our mind just exploded, and it was like, "Wow, yeah, let's do it!" So we spent almost four hours on the phone. So I think it was the most expensive long distance calls that <laughs> I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> but just just discussing the idea, but we had no. Even though we liked the idea, we we had no idea if it was possible, if it's something that existed, if it was something possible. So we started reading about that, and and that's why we started traveling um, in, in 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 Asia, in in Switzerland, and France, and in, in the states to discover how can we create a watch because we had no idea. Even though we were watch amateur, we ha we had no idea how to build one. And we had to learn it. So we went to watch fairs. We, went, we met with uh, watchmakers. We went with a lot of materials companies um, because we wanted to do something that was totally different. And we were taking all our vacations at our work. And, and, and we were telling our bosses that, yeah, we're going to Japan just for fun. But actually, we were visiting suppliers and learning about how to create um, the finest solar-powered watch. Wow. Gosh, what a process. Six years in the making. 
uh, just to come up <laughs> with the idea. And then, and then, oh, wow, and so much brainstorming as well. It's incredible. And so then what happened? I understand that you had a, a Kickstarter, campaign, Kickstarter campaign. Did you design the product range before that or during that? Or how did it work from there? Yep. So we, we all designed the, um, the watch ourselves. Uh, we learned about design and, and watch design. So we came up with the design and we wanted to have a watch, um, a solid pad watch, but that wouldn't come with any sacrifice. And when, when about sacrifice, I'm talking about the price, the design, the look, um, and the sustainability aspect. So we came up with the, the design and we, we, we showed that to um, partners and suppliers to basically find a way to put the solid technology into it and that's when we realized that it was not an easy thing. Um, we, we thought it would be easy, but to have a dial that is that has nothing on it to hide the solar technology and that dial to be transparent, to, to let the light rays go through, but opaque to the human eye, it was quite challenging. Um, so we first worked with people uh, in Japan and when they sent the first sample, we almost canceled everything. It mm. was so ugly. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was disgusting. I, 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 I'll show you some um, some pictures, but um, that's when we realized that's going to be hard. And and we we told the supplier, I mean, um, it's not something we can work with. We can't launch Kickstarter campaign with those prototypes because we have no idea if it's what if what we want to do is possible. And they just said basically, well. Um, we're dropping you. We're not going to do that with you. Uh, and and that was a huge cold shower because um, you basically start to zero again. Mm. So we promised ourselves that we would never launch a Kickstarter campaign before having a prototype, which we're proud of because there's nothing more decouraging to the the the, the people who who um, who buy during the Kickstarter campaign. Um, than having to wait many years to get the product. Uh, so we finally came up with the prototype a year after. So we, we, we delayed the Kickstarter campaign. Everything was planned, but we canceled the first Kickstarter campaign to do it, to do it, to do it a year later. Um, and we finally had a first prototype, but it was, it was quite a challenge as well because we received the prototype on the same day that we had our, our launch event with 600 people in Montreal. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it was very stressful and then the prototypes they, they they arrived all broken. So Alex had to find a watchmaker in Montreal that could repair the watches on the same day. Oh my goodness. How stressful. <laughs> um but but we finally launched the, the Kickstarter campaign. Um we invited um we uh, about six hundred people um to a theater in Montreal and we still had our job at the time. Our buses were in the room, and when we when we launched the campaign, launched the campaign in in just five minutes, we had twelve thousand cells, um, and in about thirty minutes, we reached our objective. Amazing! And I and and your the ultimately the campaign was way above the target amount, right? It was about five times the target, the target amount. Sure. And we wanted to do it without investing any money in, in, in marketing because we wanted to test the market organically. 
um, to have her answer. Is there demand for that? Will people be interesting in having a solar powered watch that is sustainable or are we just out of our minds? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was the goal to do it organically. And, and when the, um, when we, we finished the night, our bosses came to see us and, and they told us, I guess this is it. And, and that was it. Wow. What supportive bosses. They actually came to your launch party and then were really supportive of, of, your, of, your, of your plan. Absolutely. They, they came. They, they all bought, bought watches. And, and to this day, they're still our mentors. So mm-hmm. I, I, um, we're really, really amazed by who they are. So that's amazing. The decision that you made to stay with that smaller firm all those years ago has really been an amazing, uh, an amazing thing for you guys. Like to have that sort of mentorship and support from your from your employer. Really cool. Absolutely, it's it's honestly one of the best decisions um, I've made, and and I thank them still to this day um, for offering me the uh, the offer because they, they were not supposed to to. Um, to engage anyone, um, any employees, um, but just because I did the, the internship with them and we had a very good relation, they offered me to stay and I'm very happy I did. Yeah, very cool. So the product range today, how different is that from what the Kickstarter was? Has it stayed mostly the same, with that t- timeless classic design or have you expanded a little bit? It stayed mostly the same because it's, um, it's, it's kind of hard to develop a new solar powered watch. It's always challenging to fit that technology there uh, while keeping a very elegant and minimalist design. Um, but actually, two days ago, we announced that we're going to release a smaller version of the watch that's that's even thinner, uh, things that wouldn't be possible two years ago. Um, so we're, we're launching the mini solar next month. But the goal is to expand the the collection. So in September, we're releasing a new watch. Um, that the goal is always to have the same elegant and very minimalist design because the the solar power technology allows allows you to keep the watch for mostly all your life. So it'll be rechargeable for over twenty years without lose, losing of its uh, charging capacity. So that's why our goal is to have. A timely, timeless design because we don't want people to overconsume watches be, just because they get bored of the, the style of the watch. Um, so that's why we aim for something very, very minimalist and elegant. So in September, we're releasing a new watch, same style, very, very similar, but with a second hand and a date. Um, but something that's very durable and with, with materials that are always uh, innovative and, and sustainable. Yeah, very cool. So Let's build on that a little bit further. So what's really unique about Solios is that you and Alex sort of went really deep into each component in the watch to make your watches as sustainable as possible. And you're also constantly looking for those improvements, which has been really impressive to me having followed your journey for a while now. So perhaps we can go through each of these components in these materials because I think that listeners will find this really interesting. And you already touched on the solar, um, but maybe for, for those um, solar geeks out there, uh, how does the solar work exactly? How does it fit in? So there's, um, there's a solid cell that's right underneath the dial that caps the light rays and recharges the lithium battery. And it, it, you can charge your watch with natural or artificial light. And with just two hours of exposure to, to light, you'll get six months of power reserve 
and your watch will be rechargeable for mostly forever. And the reason why we chose to go with a solar powered technology, um, it's because just in the watch industry, there's over 300 million batteries that are being produced every year just to power, power watches. And the first reason why people overconsume watches is it's because their battery dies. So every time we, we, we go to events and we, we, we talk to people, we ask the question, who in this room have a dead battery, a dead watch that sit in their drawer? And, and a lot of people raise their hands. Um, and there are technologies uh, such as automatic watches that exist that um, basically can work forever, but they're very expensive. And our goal was to change the impact of fast fashion in the watch industry. And we had to come up with something that was accessible to anyone. And that's why we chose this, the solar technology to do that. And to go with that, that's why we decided to, as I was saying, to go with um, a timeless design to make sure your watch will follow you for the, the rest of your days. But also we were talking about um, travels um, earlier and when we were traveling and visiting mills, that's why we came up so crazy about materials because we were not engineer and we, we, we didn't know much about materials, but by traveling and visiting mills and asking a lot of questions to learn, that's when we realized how polluting the fashion industry and also the watch industry is. And that's why we came up so crazy about that. And we wanted to improve what, um, well, that very old industry. Yeah, I read, I read on your website that this solar technology in your watches will eliminate the need for 20 batteries in its lifetime, which is huge, right? Like not only the, the sort of the batteries, but the watches would, that go with those batteries. Um, that's exactly. That's an incredible amount of waste that would be saved if you were to start your watch wearing career with a, a sort of a, a watch for the rest of your life um, and you only need that one watch. It would be... Yeah, pretty epic. I'm exactly the same. I think I have three or four watches sitting in drawers around the place with sort of. <laughs> well, I, I, I had the same issue. I had the same, same thing. <laughs> yeah, and I love. I still love those watches, but they're like a little bit out of fashion, or the battery died, or some of them are sort of those newer technology ones where you know they sport watches, um, and they they just not built to last, you know, because technology refreshes and everything. So it's, right. yeah, it is disappointing when you get sort of, you've only had a watch for a few years and then you can no longer wear it. So the idea of having a, an, an evergreen watch is very exciting. Um, but now you have three interchangeable strap choices. So let's start with vegan silicon leather. What is this and why did you, <laughs> why did you choose this material? It's a good question. Well, we wanted to go with um, a vegan leather. Um, but when we started ask, asking questions about vegan leather, it, it was mostly leather made out of plastic, polyurethane, um, and that was obviously very harmful to the environment. Um, so so we, we, we could not go with that because it would go with our mission of having a very sustainable watch. And we started asking a lot of questions of, on what would be a good vegan leather material and we found out by traveling to, um, it was close to, it was a trip to Pennsylvania uh, in the States where we met a guy who introduced us to a company in Germany that was doing silicone-based leather. 
And the company in Germany didn't want to work with us because we were very well at the time we had even we didn't even have a product or a design. Um, but we found out that other company friends um, that was doing it and we visited the mill. And basically it's a vegan letter that has no toxic mat- material in it and, and it's not made out of polyurethane. So it's it's a very durable letter that um, doesn't have plastic into it. And that was our first way to, that was the very first material we found, aside from the solar technology, of course, but that would um, make soils different from what's out there. Very cool. And then you, you filled the straps with cork leather, uh, with, sorry, with cork, is that how it works? That's right. And, and at the time, we had no idea how the strap was being created. So we visited the the mills that, would, that was doing the, the assembly of the watch, where we came with the... Um, company from switzerland and when, when we we visited the um, how they were doing it we kind of realized on the spot that they were using a material to fill the strap um the inlay material they used was rubber so we did we we, we made all those efforts to have a silicone based letter but we, they were filling it with rubber it was it was nonsense to us um so we 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 tried to to find a way to um, to change that, and and we first so we said cancel the production. We need to find something to to fill in the strap. So they they were um, a bit shocked, I would say, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we were not fitting in their in their very I would say um, normal play, customer case. I would say where um, they were doing the same thing for all the customer. So we tried with a, um, a 100% recycled plastic for the inlay material, and we were very proud of that, and we were shouting about that. But the problem is that was that the the shrub was not comfortable at all. It was way too stiff. Mm-hmm. And and again, we were trying to create something without well, a product with no sacrifice. Um, I like to call it. Um, and to us, that was a sacrifice. A watch has to be comfortable. It, it has to be something you want to wear. You want to forget you have it on your wrist. Um, so we had to change the recycled plastic. And that's how eventually we come up with cork. So we did a test with uh, the company from, uh, from Switzerland. And they filled the, the strap with cork. And it was just amazing. It was super durable. It was their most sustainable strap they've ever done. And it was super comfortable. It's it's such an interesting point about working with suppliers and sort of trying to force them to innovate into more sustainable ways of doing things. I imagine that, like at the time, they kind of look at you incredulously, like, "What the hell do you want to do here?" <laughs> but I'm probably quite proud of it now. I would imagine. It's um, to be honest, working with suppliers probably, and especially when you're you're a small player and and you haven't done anything yet. It's the biggest challenge when you're trying to change things, but you don't have the the, the technology to produce your to do your product to produce your your, your products. You, so your hands are tied with your partners, with your suppliers, and if they don't want to work with you, if they don't want to change things, well, you have to find someone else. Yeah, and that's very very challenging. It has, it took us many years to find great partners to work with. Until to this day, we're trying to find better partners because we still want to improve what we're doing right now. Uh, and then if you look at the uh, Solios website, there's a beautiful product range of these uh, lovely mesh 
straps um, that go onto some of the different designs. So you can get all different colors of these lovely metal meshes. meshes. So I was yeah. wondering about these, the, the sort of process and sustainability considerations around the metal straps. And that's another thing. That's a very good question. The um, again, we we had no idea how metal coloration was was done, and <clears throat> I think aside from the batteries, I think metal coloration is probably the thing that is the most polluting in the watch industry. And I'm sure you can see those pictures in in, in China of of red lakes and green rivers that's mostly because of metal coloration and again we visited the mill where the the strap were being done and where the strap were being colored and we we started asking a lot of questions and basically what what they were doing is they were taking the strap and they were putting it in a huge basin with with colorant and when they were done with coloring the all the the, the metal parts, they, they were just they were just throwing away all the waste, and it's a very very toxic waste. It's there's a lot of chemicals into it. So we started asking question of how can we avoid that, and we've almost said, all right, let's not do any metal coloration. Let's just do silver watches. <laughs> but obviously, we it's not everyone that wants that. So we we had to find a solution, and we learned about ionic coloration method where there's huge um, magnet and you spray metal paint in a room and the magnet makes sure that there's no waste whatsoever. All the paint goes on the middle part and by doing that you make sure that there's no waste and you can also control the thickness of the coloration and we wanted something very very thick because uh, we wanted to have a watch that is very durable that that you, you're going to keep for many many years. So we learned by again by visiting the mills, and I think that's something. If if anybody wants to start something in in um, fashion or any industry, I think visiting the mills was one of the best thing we've done because we learned so much and we had the chance to ask a lot of questions. Very cool. And then probably your most sustainable strap option is the hemp, which I understand is a first in the industry. Can you tell us more about that one? It's um, that's quite a challenge. It's not out yet, but okay. the goal is to release it this year. Um, we've had some challenge because we had the strap ready um, last year, but we we chose to not release it because we felt it was not durable enough and it could not handle sweat um, and and water enough. So we we wanted to find a way to make it more durable. So we're working on a new prototype right now that um, is hemp-made, and it will be the first nylon strap made out of hemp. Uh, it will be a natal style, and the goal is to have, because um, hemp is, is very, very sustainable. It's something that can grow pretty much anywhere at a rapid pace and without any resources or just very little, very little resources. And our goal is to, to, to create the, the, the strap but we're still, we're almost there. We're looking forward to to release the strap. I think it's going to be beautiful. That's very exciting. Yeah, that sounds like <laughs> it's going to be a real innovation. Looking forward to hearing about that one. Um, and then very exciting recent improvement is around the stainless steel. Tell me more about that one. So stainless steel, we thought it would be easy um, to work with recycled stainless steel. 
until we ask a supplier to have certified recycled stainless steel. And that was more than a year ago, we asked about certified recycled stainless steel. And it's funny because having recycled stainless steel is so easy, where when you ask for proof of that, well, suddenly nobody answers you. Hmm. And so we started asking questions to our partners, to, to independent people on the ground, trying to find partners for us. And that's where we learned that there was a lot of fraud in the recycle stainless steel industry where, uh, for example, people could buy new stainless steel, scrap it, recycle it, and they would say it's recycled stainless steel. Wow. Shocking. It's impressive. It's shocking, exactly. Or they would lie about where the, 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 the stainless steel come from. So when we, when we learned that, we said, there's no way we're going to go with that. We don't want to be into greenwashing without even knowing about being in the greenwashing industry. So we said we want to send our cases made of that new recycled stainless steels to laboratories. And we want the partners to uh, the supplier to agree with that and to certify that all our cases will be made out of certi- certified recycled stainless steel. So that's why it took almost two years, a year and a half to find the good partners and put that into place and make sure that we have real recycled stainless steel. And we finally came up with it, uh, well, this month, actually, in April. And now all, well, all the new watches, the, the new watches we're, we're launching next month will be made entirely out of recycled stainless steel. And all our current production will now switch to recycled stainless steel. But it's impressive how um, you can be fooled uh, because if you don't ask questions, you'll realize that there's big fraud into that industry. That's really, yeah, unbelievable. It just shows the importance of diving deep and asking lots of questions, right? Asking questions, exactly. Because yeah. their solutions are there. And, and you just need to find the people who are willing to do it with you because there's a lot of people that are well-intentioned. And, and what's challenging is, is finding those people, but, but they exist. Yeah, absolutely. And and the whole benefit of using recycled stainless steel sounds obvious, but I read on your website that it reduces energy by 75%, reduction in air and water pollution, water usage, and of course, mining waste and impact. So it's it's a big deal to be using recycled. It's a big deal. We don't we don't exactly you're totally right. We don't necessarily think about it when we when we read when we read recycled stainless steel, but it makes a huge difference in the just in the the pollution we we create while producing our watches and that just to be clear the the recycled stainless steel when you say it's used for the casing you mean like the actual um using my very ignorant description <laughs> uh the, it's the actual like the rim of the of the watch the right? watch the, case the watch case yeah, yeah. it's not the exactly. it's not the case that the watch comes in when you receive it from your from your store it's like the actual the core part correct. of the watch right yeah <laughs> that's correct exactly and we're we're uh, working into um using the same material to do our mesh bend as well oh, so right. that's gonna come out eventually but the goal is to change all the materials all the watch part um to something that's better than what's uh, offered on the market right now very cool and then I read also on your site that there's a move, a planned move to recycle plastic for any of the little small plastic components, but that's a work in progress. Is that something that you guys are still planning on? 
Yes, actually, we, we've done it. So the, oh, wow. there's a, inside the watch case, there's a plastic holder to hold the movement and the solar cell, the solar panel. And that plastic piece um, has to be very precise because obviously in a watch, we're working with very, very small measures and everything has to be super precise to keep the time, um, well, precise. <laughs> um, so it was, it was also a challenge to make sure that um, by working with recycled plastic, we wouldn't lose the precision of the watch. But we've, we've come up with um, a plastic holder that is now made of recycled plastic. That's, uh, that's impressive, even down to the very minute detail. Um, There's still some things we want to improve in the watch. And, and what we like to, to say or believe is that we will never be perfect. And the, the goal of Solios is to reflect a little bit our life habits. We know that we're far from perfect in the way we consume our goal is to improve every day, and that's the same thing we want to do with the with the with the watches and Solias in general. I love that, and maybe that's a good segue into into talking about packaging. So you've got this laser focus on sustainability in your actual product, and uh, so packaging, I'm assuming, is very important to you as well. But also, this is a luxury, an affordable luxury watch brand. So packaging will be very important to your customers. That feeling of sort of getting your product and being like, this is something really special. You know, packaging is a big part of that. So, how have you handled that dynamic? Especially in the in the watch industry, right? You, when you look at uh, unboxing the video, you see those huge box, beautiful box where you open them. It's super smooth, and 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 there you have your watch, and it makes so much of the the experience. And 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 packaging is something, um, as you said, important to us. How can you keep that very premium feeling? without harming the environment too much because obviously packaging is the biggest source of waste, not just in watches, but in the fashion industry mostly. It's, um, it's, it's, it's huge. It's, it's a lot of materials. And <clears throat> at first, we, uh, we learned a lot in packaging. At first, we were doing our packaging in China, and that's something we wanted to change. Our goal is to have absolutely no pieces made in China and but we they were made out of 100% recycled uh, cardboard, um, so that was a good thing. But when we visited them, uh, we realized that they were doing packaging for a huge watch company as well, and we were very shocked by their practices. And again, we started asking a lot of questions, and and we want to have a very nice packaging with that soft touch feeling. But by asking questions and by asking that, we, 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 we found out that that very soft touch feeling, it's actually helical of plastic that wraps around all the packaging. And just by adding that soft touch feeling, you can't recycle your packaging anymore. So when you open your new brand new iPhone and you're very proud of it and you open them and, you, and it, it's so smooth, well, that packaging, which you think it's recyclable, it's not because it's covered by plastic. And you have to separate all the pieces together to recycle them properly. So we, did, we, we said we want to have a very premium packaging that's going to be made locally. So we, find out, we found out new partners in Montreal where they were making handmade packaging that were not using any glue to make sure we can recycle the packaging 
um, if people want to. So what we said is that let's make a very, very nice box, a very nice experience. So our packaging opens like a book. There's your name and, and there's all the information there. And, and you kind of read your story until you get to the watch you ordered. And the box is made to keep it if you want to keep it. So if you want to store your watch into, into it, um, you can. The pillow uh, around which the watch is is made out of cork. It's a cork pillow. So you can basically choose to keep it because the packaging is really nice. But if you want to tr throw it away, you can put it in the, in the recycle bin and it's 100% recycled. Because when there's packaging that are said to be made out of 100% recy recycled materials, they're usually not recyclable because they, they use magnet, they use pl plastic ribbon, they have that nice soft touch feeling. Um, so our goal was to have to give the option to the consumer, either you keep it or you recycle it, but at least you know that it's fully recyclable. That's awesome. And speaking about recycling, something we really get excited about is uh, <laughs> is recycling programs. And we saw that Solius is now is now has now has a recycling program. So tell us all about that. And that's very exciting to us as well. We um, we were very exciting into launching our our recycle program. Um, so basically, even for Solius, we know that eventually, and that's as good for Cilius as it is for any product. But we know that eventually it, it, it will end up, end up in, in landfills. And we have to get more into secular economy. We have to find a second life for those products and make sure they're being recycled. And just to put you into context, there's millions of washes every year that are being thrown away because it's a $63 billion industry that it's growing every year and 99% of the watches are not being recycled. That's a huge amount of watches. And, and often when we talk about the fashion industry, we talk about how harmful the fashion industry, the clothing industry is, but we don't talk much about the watch industry, but the watch industry has a lot of toxic materials because of the, of, of the batteries. There's a lot of metals. There's a lot of things into that industry that are very polluting and we need to do something about it. And that's why we launched a recycling program where whatever the brand is, we will pay for your watch to come to us. So we will pay for shipping and we will recycle your watch properly and give it a second life. And the goal was to get into circular economy to make sure that even Solius watches in 20 years from now will get the same treatment of being recycled and have a second life. Wow, that's that's super cool. And so when you say you recycle them properly, what happens when you receive the watches? What happens next? So there's a few things. The, um, we launched a program uh, last week and we've already received a few hundreds of watches. It, it, <laughs> we were really impressed with the demand for that. People were, were very proud of, of, of that. And, and just like you said, you, you have three watches that are sitting in your door that you haven't used in a while. Um, so our goal is to kind of put, your, put our hands into, onto those watches and make sure we recycle them. So what we do is we um, separate all the pieces. So we break the watch into multiple pieces and the glass will be recycled in a certain way. The metals will be recycled in, in another, another way. So all pieces are being separate and we recycle them properly. But what we uh, will, will also do 
um, eventually, and maybe in a year or two years, we love to create a kind of huge art piece where we use um, old watches and create a, a, a huge clock. Oh, I don't know exactly what we, we will do, but to make people realize that even though they're just small objects, they do have a big impact. And we want to show that to people with a kind of huge art form. Wow, very cool idea. That's very exciting. And I understand there's a, there's a big benefit for those who actually send their watches in. They can even get a credit to spend at the, at the Solia store. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. We don't do, <clears throat> we never do sales on the watch itself because we're trying to make it as accessible um, to the consumer as possible. But when people send their watches for um, to be recycled, we offer a $50 CAD um, discount on the watch of their choice. So right now we do pay for shipping, but that's only available in Canada and uh, the USA. It's something we want to make available very shortly in Australia and in and, and Europe as well. Wow, very cool. Well, I'll get my watches ready. <laughs> <laughs> So let's chat also about some of the other things that you and your team have been up to. So the Solius, uh, so the Solius is now the very first watchmaker to be B Corp certified. So why did you decide to go through that process, and what was that like? B Corp represent a lot of our values. Um, we think that people can do business and business for profit. It's just we don't have to do that. Um, while harming the environment and people around us. It is possible to do business while having a positive impact around us. And sometimes it's kind of hard to, um, it's kind of hard to find out how to do it. And B Corps helps you a lot into the process of creating a business that will be for profit, but also very beneficial to the people and the environment around us. And when we first launched Shellyas, we wanted to be we tried to be B Corp, but it's kind of hard where you, when you don't have employees and processes into places. So we've waited two years and we started the process all over again to become B Corp. And that was very important to us because we we so far we don't have any investors, but maybe one day we will. But when you have an investor um, that sits on your board, uh, in any kind of corporation, a very classic corporation that its mission is to maximize the 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 shareholders' um, value. So the, the mission of the board member is to create value for the shareholders, whatever it takes. And it's something we don't agree with, and we wanted to make sure to change our legal form to B Corp to make sure that whatever we do, we're always going to respect the planet around us, our community, our society, and our employees. And B Corp is all about that. You even change your legal form to make sure you re respect that. And just like um, our philosophy is of continuous improvement, B Corp asks you to improve your score every two years. So you can't just sit on your certification and say, that's it. I have it. You have to improve it. And that's something where um, we encourage and we want to do. So it's, um, it's a great community. We see more and more B Corp uh, companies, which is a very good thing. But there was none in the, in the watch industry. There is a lot of in the, in the fashion industry, such as Patagonia, 
Allbirds, and there's more and more, but just not in the watch industry. And I don't know why, but the watch industry is so slow to move. So we wanted to basically um, tell people to follow us into being B Corp and trying to change that very old industry that it's more polluting than we than we think. Yeah. Wow. Well, hopefully you're going to disrupt the industry completely, and within a few years there'll be uh, the big watch industries doing things differently. Um, and speaking of investors and funding, you you and Alex were recently on Montreal's version of Dragon's Den, which must have been really <laughs> fun. Uh, what was that experience like for you? It was amazing. It was um, honestly, I. I when Dragon's Den started 10 years ago, I would never thought I would end up on the show one day. Uh, but then it happened. Um, we we pitched in February and the show was, um, the our episode was shown, shown on, uh, well, two weeks ago in April. And we never thought it would have such a big impact. Uh, we were submerged with, with demand, we were working day and night trying just to, to deliver the watches, but it, it, we received so many um, great comments. Um, and and I'm so proud we did that because it was such a nice experience. We, we received so many great comments. So no, obviously I'm happy we, we've done it, but I, it's it's still to this day, I, 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 I kind of ping myself because I don't realize that we've, we, we were... Uh, we aired on the show it's 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 fun to think about <laughs> and i think what's what's really cool about it is that you know these dragons uh, i haven't watched your your episodes i'm not sure of the detail of what happened but uh when i have watched this before they really can be quite hardcore and and quite <laughs> quite mean um yeah but, it's stressful you don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> right and and it sounds like you guys were really well received and that sustainability message is really coming through into the business world now, which is very exciting. It, it resonates so much. And even with the, the dragons um, that most of them did their money without having anything to do with the, the sustainability or sustainability industry. But what we were very amazed with and proud of that is that all the five of them really valued sustainability. And it, it's starting to become a, not just a constraint, but something mandatory for those investors to invest in. They want to invest in companies that are sustainable or are trying to change things for better ways. And that's something very, very encouraging, I, found, I find, because um, Money talks a lot. We live in a, in, a, in a society where money talks a lot. And having that money goes where people are trying to do something positive or something sustainable is something that we're very happy with. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing to see how fast things are moving in that space. It's very cool. Uh, one other quick thing I wanted to ask you about was you guys are clearly very passionate about charitable giving as well. Uh, so can you tell us about your partnerships with the um, Make-A-Wish Foundation and the Rainforest Trust? Yeah, well, it's a bit about, um, it's very similar to B Corp. It's very important to us to to give back, um, to have a business that will have a positive impact around us. And obviously, the environment is, is our main cause. Um, there's, well, we're all aware about climate change and our goal is to 
is to try to to change that or have a positive impact on that. So that's why we partner with the the Rainforest Trust Foundation that is restoring the um, the rainforests around the world. So on our, every watches we sell, there's um, over one percent that is giving back to the foundation to restore um, to restore the rainforest, basically. So so far, when we launched that um, almost two years ago, we've restored over four thousand acres of rainforest, and it's crazy when you think about. Um, you know, sometimes you think small things, small action, they don't change anything. But when you add them up, and when you realize that we've saved, we've restored 4,000 acres of rainforest, it's very impressive. And that's when you realize that small action do have an impact. And we, um, we did a similar thing with Make-A-Wish because, yes, there's the environment, but there's also um, children that don't get the same chance as everyone to, to do their way in life. And it was important to us to try to put a smile on, on those um, people's face. Um, so that's why Alex and I were both volunteers for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. We accompany uh, families um, in their wishes. Uh, so we do the bridge between the family and the foundation to make sure the child gets um, his wish granted and 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 properly granted, and because of the pandemic, the biggest um, fundraising event of Make a Wish got canceled, and we tried to um, Alex and I were uh, were raising money during that main event. Um, I think it was six years in a row, and now it got canceled. And they usually raise over two million dollars just with that. So we decided to create a limited edition with the Make-A-Wish Foundation where we would give $50 on every watch sold to the foundation to raise $25,000 for the foundation where we would adopt the wishes of families and Alex and I will be the volunteers of those families. And we've recently adopted the, um, the wish of one family and we're about to... Um, to reveal what the what the wish is to um, his name is Santiago and um, and it's 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 those little things that makes you realize why you're doing all of that because it it put up a big smile not just on Santiago's face but also on her face it's uh, it's it's lots lots of fun. No, that's really cool, very special. And I I remember we included that Make a Wish Foundation watch on one of our gift guides for Christmas last year, and it's a really cool watch. It's like this beautiful blue design. Um, so yeah, is it still available? Can you still buy it? There's still a few. So there's okay. one model that there's uh, is out of stock, but the um, there's three models left. Um, I'm actually wearing one of them right now. <laughs> ah, very cool. Okay, so if you but there's just a few left. Yeah. So anyone listening who's interested in supporting Make a Wish Foundation, better get on there quickly, um, and get those last last remaining watches. <laughs> Um, but actually, I wanted to go back to talking a little bit about business, what we were talking about before, um, and, and B Corps, um, and sort of how the business community is changing. So I wanted to get your thoughts on what you think the role of businesses like Solius have in driving meaningful change to a more su- sustainable future. You know, people think it's hard to change things, and we we think it's it's not true. I think... You have to start somewhere, that, that's obvious, but 
I think even if you're even if you're small, you can change things. And and Solius was a proof of that because when we when we first started, all our suppliers were either saying it's impossible or we're simply closing the door. They they would just say no. But eventually, when you keep pushing and pushing and you believe into changing things, you can do it. And now the 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 partners our our main partners, our main supplier, he hired uh, two sustainable expert just to change the way they produce things and that's the the word sustainability was not living in his in his mouth a few years ago and now he's all over it and that's just because of us it's it's crazy when you think about it we're super small but yet we're we're now changing an industry and we're going to keep pushing uh to change that industry until uh, it's perfect. <laughs> so I think there's a long way to go still, but at least small businesses like Solius or like um, whatever business people they want to start, they have a true impact. And I think that's the role of the business. It's to move the industry. And even though we're not the biggest player, we want to make sure that the big players, they'll do it and they'll change for the best and they'll change their practices. And maybe even they'll become B Corp just because they see smaller business like us doing it. So I think that's the role of um, business like Solias that wants to have a positive impact. And maybe building on that, for you personally, what are you most proud of when you look back on what Solias has achieved? I'm very proud of moving the needle in that very old industry and changing it for something positive. And of course, when you look at the Solias watch, it, it's an improvement for, from what's um, available on the market, but there's still a long way to go. But if you don't look at the product, but you, 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 you look more into the symbol of that product, what I'm very proud of is that we've influenced our friends and the people around us into changing their consumption habits and their life habits. And we've even encouraged um, young entrepreneurs or people who've wanted to launch businesses to to launch them and, and to believe in themselves. And I think what I'm very proud of is the impact we're having into the pe- people surrounding us that also want to change things. And it's something that uh, we're going to keep pushing. And, and a very good example of that is we now speak often into university, into entrepreneurship classes. And what we keep telling people is, yes, you can change things. But please add the sustainable um, constraint into your business model. <laughs> and sort of the thinking on the opposite side, what would you love to see Solius achieve, say, in five years' time? Well, as you know, we uh, were fully into um, uh, continuous improvement. So we will continue to improve the product. But we also want to release new product because we know we only have um, the same model that we've launched two years ago now. Um, so we want to increase the, um, the the product choice uh, in our, um, on our website, but we also want to improve our impact. So having a better B Corp uh, score, um, having a bigger impact in the rainforest. So we we actually want to go on the ground, see things, ask questions, learn how we we can do we can do better. But the major, major project we're working on right now that I think it's going to take at least five years to create is to um, 
bring back the production locally. And it's something that it's not possible in Canada right now. There's no player doing mass production watches in Canada or even in the States. And we want to do it here um, to continue to improve the product and its sustainable impact, its impact on the, on the planet. Very cool. So Sam, our favorite doozy of a question, if you could have one message or piece of <laughs> advice heard by everyone on the planet, what would it be? I think it's, um, it might sound a bit enthusiastic. We, we, we talked a lot, a lot about it, but um, the main question I receive is, or main comment I receive is that small actions, they don't have, they don't have an impact. They don't do an impact, but they do. If we, we've seen it, we've seen it with, whether it's the, um, our supplier that has hired two sustainable expert, the fact that we've restored 4,000 acres of rainforest, or just the people we've helped, helped launch their, their business. Um, it's crazy. Or even now with the recycled program where just in a week we've received a few hundreds of watches. I think that you have to start with small actions, but eventually they'll, they'll become huge impact. And you have to believe that and you have to do it. And uh, finally, for those listening who want to support Solios and potentially buy one of your watches, where do they do that? What's the best way to do that? Well, all the watches are available on, on our uh, website, so it's soliosswatches.com. All the information is there. But if I think the best way to support Solios is not to support Solios itself, but I think it's to learn a, a lot about slow fashion and circular economy. And slow fashion doesn't mean... Uh, to have no style. I think the goal is to actually have lots of style and don't do any sacrifice, but anchor in slow fashion. So I think um, the best way to support Solios is to actually let people know about your sustainable values and, and be proud of that. Be, be loud and, and encourage um, your local uh, brand and, and sustainable brand. And I think that's the best way to, to support Solios. Sam, thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful to learn more about you and this wonderful brand, Solios. Look forward to continuing to following your journey. Thanks so much, Joy. It was a pleasure and thanks again for having me. We just love the way the Solios team is so dedicated to making things better, whether that be more generally in their community or through their laser focus on the way that they do business with the lowest impact possible. If you're an inspiring entrepreneur, we hope you found this inspiring and useful as you think of ways to make change. Thank you for listening and we will see you next time.